So last summer, last year, we were seeing growth of 25%. So anything growing 25% is just massive. Like that's exponential growth. That's, I wasn't probably sustainable in terms of how much demand we are going to bring in as a, a big piece of the sort of declining occupancies. Now we're seeing supply growth of about 13%, which is much more, I'd call it absorbable. And so 13% supply coming in is still a lot. And for comparison, the hotel industry supply is only growing by 1%. Wow. So 13% versus 1% is just entirely different. But we're seeing a demand growth of 10%. So most of that supply is getting absorbed. We're able to accommodate more and more travelers. So overall, I'm, I'd say we're, we're getting into that sort of sweet spot of not too much supply growth, but enough supply growth to continue to accommodate all the people that want to come into this industry and be able to stay in short-term rentals. Welcome to Short-Term Rental Solutions, a show for hosts and property managers looking to overcome obstacles, maximize revenue, and optimize their short-term rental business by learning from the innovators who are designing the solutions that are shaping our industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Short-Term Rental Solutions Show. We have a great show for you this week because we are fortunate enough to have Jamie Lade, who is the Chief Economist and Senior Vice President of Research with AirDNA. And today's topic is all about how to use data to help us in our real estate investing and also to optimize our operations. A crucial topic for anyone in the industry and really important that as we are investing and as we're running our business, we aren't just flying by the seat of our pants. We're making decisions that are truly based on the information and the data that's available to us. So Jamie, so glad you're here and thanks for joining us on today's show. Yeah, thanks for, so much for having me. Excited to be on and talk about data. Yeah, that's really, you know, your jam and what you're all about. So for people who may not know you, just take a minute and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and how you found yourself with AirDNA. Yeah, so I joined AirDNA three years ago, back in October of 2020. I, and prior to that, I spent 10 years as an analyst covering the hotel industry. So as a hotel economist, worked for CVRE and ran the sort of global forecasting shop there. As part of that job, got really interested in the impact that short-term rentals, vacation rentals were having on traditional hotels. Uh, was one of AirDNA's first clients back in 2015, sort of getting access to that full data set and digging into the trends that were happening. Uh, and then I was fortunate enough to join full-time, as I said, in 2020. And now I'm in charge of research, data, and analytics for the firm. So we dig into the trends, broad trends that are happening, local trends to help People really understand where we're at in the cycle, where it most makes sense to be deploying money, and then how to optimize your rentals once you have them. That's great. And I want to just let everybody who's listening today or maybe watching us on YouTube know that in addition to sharing all kinds of helpful information for us, at the end of the show, Jamie is actually going to stick with me here and he's going to take us into AirDNA and kind of give us a little tour of the platform. They've had a lot of really exciting changes that have recently come out. And so he's been good enough to agree to kind of walk us around and help us understand the changes and some of the resources and tools that AirDNA provides. So be sure to stick around to the very end of the show. And if you're listening to the podcast portion, follow us over onto YouTube and there you'll be able to pick up that portion of the show. So 
Jamie, as we get started here real quick, I know that earlier this summer, there was a lot of chatter online and throughout the media about people projecting and saying that Airbnb is about to collapse and that short-term rental operators were, you know, stays and revenue was just dropping off a cliff and the mm -hmm. term Airbnb bust kind of got coined. And you were one of the ones that stepped up and really helped um, contribute meaningfully to that conversation with research and really data-driven perspective. So I feel like I would be negligent if given the importance and the impact of that for so many people, particularly real estate investors, I feel like that really is a question that's worth asking you and letting you chime in and providing context to where the market truly is and what people should be considering as they're looking at real estate investing, particularly in the short-term rental space. Yeah. So as a short-term rental data analyst, anytime a tweet goes viral, that's sort of talking about short-term rental data trends, like, and one, it gets me excited. And two, it wants me to dig in and see if I can replicate the analysis and sort of explain deeper what's happening. And this one sort of got started on a, a Tuesday night. It had a few hundred thousand views. I saw it and immediately was just like, that doesn't make sense. So that was about 5 p.m., put my kids to bed, came back. It had, had like 3 million views over that short, just couple hour time frame. I was like, all right, we need to dig into what's happening. Why is this going viral? And what does the data actually show? So that tweet by um, Nick Gurley had sort of showed that short-term rental revenues were collapsing and across the U.S., 40, 50, 70% in some markets, and that that collapse in revenues was going to cause Airbnb vacation rental hosts and owners to start selling their units and cause a collapse in the housing market. Now, I mean, so many things wrong with that. <laughs> One, just like, we're not seeing a collapse in short-term rental revenues. Are we seeing a decline? Yes. And we've seen a decline now of 19 consecutive months of occupancies. Uh, we did hit a high in 2021, and that's going to be a high watermark for years to come, sort of unique interaction with supply-demand, supply contracting through the pandemic. Demand came back really strong in pandemic recovery, and that pushed occupancies to record highs. We're coming down off of that some, but for example, for those markets where they're showing a 40% decline on average, we're only showing a 4% decline. So not nearly the dramatic sort of narrative that they were sort of calling out. I have no idea how they were able to manipulate the data to do that, but that's in no way what we're seeing. Yes, some softness, but not nearly a decline. And then to say that the and a decline in short-term rental revenues could cause a collapse in the overall housing market worse than the subprime crisis is sort of laughable on its face. And short-term rentals make up such a small percent of the overall housing market and way less than 1%. Uh, so anything that's happening in the sector is not going to have a meaningful impact on the overall U.S. housing market. Yeah, well, I mean... As you just said, there has been a little bit of decline in, you know, occupancy and revenue. How does a real estate investor, you know, take in that information and know whether it's still the timing is still right to be continuing to invest? Yeah. So one thing is to look at um, historical trends. And that's something that AirDNA, we sort of private, pride ourselves on being able to provide a long time series of data. So Starting in 2019 through really the peak at the beginning of 2022, there was a 35% increase in revenues. So average revenue per available listing. 
We've now come off about that about 5%. So we're still, as we sit here in, in back half of 2023, 30% above 2019 revenues. We are 5% above 2019 occupancies. We're 25% above on ADRs. So the sort of run up in performance and how I describe it is persistence at the peak. So just because we've sort of reached peak, peak performance doesn't mean we've got to sort of go skiing off the, off the backside of the mountain. And we're going to stay here. And I suspect we stay here for a while. And our forecast is for another and 12 to 18 months, sort of at this peak, sort of slight declines, but no collapse. And then we start growing off of this, come back, back end of 2024 into 2025. Yeah, well, and obviously I don't have the depth of data and background information, but just kind of anecdotally, I feel like even outside of the short-term rental industry, as I, you know, am a traveler myself and I'm occasionally staying at hotels and stuff, I feel like that increase in nightly rates has been pretty broad across the entire hospitality sector and not just in short-term rentals. So if the whole industry-wide is supporting that rising nightly rate, I think that it's just you know, you can kind of do a gut check and anticipate that things are likely to, you know, persist, as you were saying. Yeah. And as a uh, recovering hotel an an analyst, I'm still sort of keeping track on that sector. So while last summer was the real summer for rise in short-term rental rates, so uh, ADRs, average daily rates were increasing 10% last summer. This summer, they're flat. We're essentially flat, flat to slightly declining. So we're not getting any increases, all the while the hotel industry is getting about a 5% ADR bump. So that is helping with some of the affordability concerns for vacation rentals, given that hotel rates are now rising at a pretty significant clip. Yeah. So maybe one that some of the original um, driver for people entering and considering doing an Airbnb stay for maybe their first time years ago was that they felt like short-term rentals were more affordable option than hotels. And then the short-term rental nightly rates spiked and people began to think, well, maybe a hotel is a better option. And, you know, what I think I hear you saying is that maybe that's beginning to flip again. And that as the hotel nightly rates creep up, that Airbnbs and short-term rentals, I shouldn't say Airbnbs. I know everybody hates when we call them Airbnbs. <laughs> short-term rentals will, you know, kind of begin again to look more appealing for people looking for an affordable way to travel with groups and, you know, all those other types of things. Absolutely. And we just did a, a big study this past summer on the sort of competition between hotels and short-term rentals and the price competition is really heating up. And that's one of the sort of tips that I sort of suggest to people is when you're pricing your short-term rental, not just looking at how your competitors in the short-term rental space are pricing their units, but keeping an eye on how hotels in your area are pricing their units in a given night. Because depending on the type of unit, like if you have a two-bedroom condo on the beach and like it or not, you probably are competing with the hotels in that market. Uh, and you've got to keep, keep up to date with what's happening on those pricing trends as well. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, there's these kind of flash in a pan trends or chatter points that everybody talks about. But, you know, you've been watching the industry as a whole for over 10 years. What would you say are some of the North Star indicators or the things that we should consistently be looking at and are reliable kind of over the long run and that we can peg our real estate investing to? Yeah, one is just the broad-based increase in demand into our sector. 
And so we consistently hit records in terms of number of nights sold and people staying in short terminals year after year after year. Yes, we saw a decline in 2020. We had fully recovered by 2021, and now we're hitting new records again. And relative to overall stays that are happening um, in lodging, short-term rentals are pulling back share and continuing now to grow share in terms of overall stays. So the traveler preference is changing. We had more people try short-term rentals. So back in 2020 and 2021, as many as 40% of stays that were happening were people staying in a short-term rental for the first time. And that was an amazing sort of introduction. People were maybe afraid to stay in a hotel trying short-term rentals. And what some, one of the things that we were harp, harping on is quality, consistency of making sure that when a guest stays for the first time, they're going to want to come back. And, that, and that's something that I feel like we've done decent at. Average uh, guest review scores were at all-time highs in 2020 and 2021. I think a big piece of that was people sort of just happy to be traveling again. And so that, that's one demand. Number two is just overall supply and that we continue to offer and evolve the type of units that we're providing as an industry to where the demand's going. So throughout the pandemic, and we saw more and more demand for larger homes for people that wanted to stay in short-term rentals. That's important as an investor and to be looking at the data and say, and get a sense of like, where's occupancy the highest? Where is there excess demand? And where could more supply be absorbed into that market? And I think as, as long as we're looking at the trends of the types of units people want to stay in, we saw a huge growth in sort of unique stays, sort of yurts, tree houses, sort of building on that trend of and the types of units people were looking to stay in in short-term rentals. And that, to me, is sort of broad-based, good growth, sort of, yeah, it's sort of adapting to what our guests want. And that, I, I think, is really key for growth going forward. Well, and it will be interesting to see how much, like, those new, new first-time short-term rental travelers, how much more of that is still kind of latent in the market. People who, you know, are still haven't ever done a short-term rental stay. And, mm -hmm. you know, obviously it's become pretty commonplace. The major OTAs have done a great job marketing and customer awareness. Is there really any way to quantify that gap of, you know, the percentage of people who have already traveled and tried short-term rentals? And, you know, I don't know if there is. That's a totally yeah. off-the-cuff <laughs> question that we can quantify what's maybe out there as far as first-timers still yet to come into the short-term rental space. Yeah, and one, it's, it's one of those things that is quantified. I know TAs do studies. There's some survey shops like Morning Consult that do sort of brand recognition and sort of people that have tried short-term rentals versus not. And what we see is a really high adoption, really high name recognition. So as... <laughs> Uh, you sort of slipped and said Airbnbs, like, and it is a noun, it is a verb. <laughs> I try to uh, keep myself from saying that, but there's no getting away from the fact that short-term rentals are now in the zeitgeist of the country, of it is a mainstream option now for stays. And as the big OTAs, like love them or hate them, they do so much just sort of brand marketing 
So of just getting people excited about staying in a short-term rental. And that is huge because you think in the past, like uh, Expedia sort of, or a Priceline, and a lot of the marketing was put towards sort of paid click advertising. So you s- search a hotel and they get their hotels, their site up in top. So that's pers- someone that already has sort of intent to travel in a hotel where a lot of the uh, marketing that Verbo and Airbnb did over the past two years is just getting people excited about traveling and traveling in a home. And that I see as this marketing that's going to sort of lift everyone's and uh, tideless all boats. Like it's just, it's bringing more people into the space. And that continued focus I see is just great for the industry in general. Yeah, well, because there are still people eager to invest in short-term rentals. And so you guys are seeing the data reflect the fact that there's more and more listings coming online every year. And so in order to be able to absorb and really keep the revenue and occupancy at a number that makes sense, there needs to continue to be increased, you know, travelers who are going to be able to, you know, have stays and make that make sense. Yeah. And that's a good point too of, I'm, I think fortunately we're seeing, for at least everyone that's out there hosting now, we're seeing a slowdown in supply growth. So last summer, last year, we were seeing growth of 25%. So anything growing 25% is just massive. Like that's exponential growth. That's, I wasn't probably sustainable in terms of how much demand we are going to bring in as a, a big piece of the sort of declining occupancies. Now we're seeing supply growth of about 13% which is much more, I'd call it absorbable. And so 13% supply going in is still a lot. And for comparison, the hotel industry supply is only growing by 1%. Wow. So 13% versus 1% is just entirely different. But we're seeing a demand growth of 10%. So most of that supply is getting absorbed. We're able to accommodate more and more travelers. So overall, I'm, I'd say we're we're getting into that sort of sweet spot of not too much supply growth, but enough supply growth to continue to accommodate all the people that want to come into this industry and be able to stay in short-term rentals. Awesome. Okay. So if I was a real estate investor, I'm wanting to purchase another short-term rental and be investing in short-term rentals. Say you're planning to make a purchase in the next three months or so, what would you be doing? How are you going to be trying to decide where to invest? And one is really keeping an eye on housing prices. It's such a dynamic market with prices in certain markets decreasing and some markets decreasing pretty substantially. So markets on the West Coast and Austin, certain pockets around the country are seeing pretty wild swings in housing prices. So... And all the while, short-term rental revenues are still sort of holding up in many of these markets. So there are going to be pockets of opportunity. I wouldn't say it's the broad-based opportunity that we saw in 2020, where essentially you could throw a dart and find a great place to invest, given the sort of subsequent increase in in revenues. So really trying to find pockets within the the country. And then even within markets, there's going to be certain areas that sort of make sense uh, that have the type of supply uh, that travelers want, that they're still investable assets, where there is actually housing inventory 
we know that's still a, a big issue of just finding homes available for sale and then running the numbers. It's more important than ever to make data-driven investment decisions and not just investing in a home that you think is going to do well, but actually digging into the comparables. What are these properties earning? What th- were they earning in terms of occupancies in prior years? And what I'm making I'm relevant investment choices going forward. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pivot our conversation and talk a little bit about operations. So what do you consider the most important data to be tracking or data points that a host or a property manager should be keeping an eye on from an operations perspective? Yeah. And can I throw revenue management into operations? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So we do provide quite a few revenue management tools and and that's something I harp on more. I'm really heavily on today, given the sort of falling occupancy dynamic is when Supply is increasing. There's more competition for guests. You've got to be on top of sort of revenue management for your listings. Because it could be the difference between 5% on rate of whether your unit's getting booked or not. So you've got to keep an eye on how your competition is pricing, how the competition is pricing any given night, and what is the lead times for your market? What are the lead times based on the season that you're in? when you should be expecting people to book, are you getting bookings during those times? And once you sort of, and pass that booking window of, and based on the lead time of whether or not you should have gotten booked of adjusting your prices accordingly, because there's no point in sort of holding onto that rate with sort of all your might that you think I got that rate last year, I'm gonna be able to get it again this year. And there's no getting around the fact that competition has increased and you've got to sort of, continue to adjust your pricing strategy to make sure you're maintaining your occupancy and maintaining the revenue that if you're a property manager that your owners expect. And if you're an investor, I'm making sure that you get booked because once you get past that stay date, there's no getting that potential revenue back. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to repeat something that I heard you say, and that's really understanding the pacing for your market. I mean, that is one of those key points when you're looking at revenue management and operations, understanding what that lead time and booking window is. And like you said, once you see that window approaching and then passing, it's time maybe to consider softening your prices so that you can get the bookings and the reservations. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's and getting a sense of what that pacing curve is and then adjusting and getting a sense of like, all right, where are we at and how did I get booked? Yeah. All right. So, you know, let's talk now about AirDNA and some of the changes that have come. There's really been a pretty meaningful shift in, you know, the offering of AirDNA and the way you guys are displaying the data. Tell me a little bit about what was behind that. Yeah. So one, we wanted to take a wholesale sort of restart on the app. We had first launched it back in 2016 uh, and the industry has just evolved so much in the ways that people want to digest data access it, and then just design has changed so much over these past six years. And a big sort of difference too was we had been acquired. So we changed ownership back last year and we were able to quadruple the size of the product team. And that gave us the resources to actually tackle this sort of rebuilding the site. And it's something that we're just so excited about. In addition to the design change, we also just changed the subscription model. 
So where before you had to subscribe to one market and only have access to data for that one market, um, we sort of changed it so it's a uh, low cost per month and you have access to every market across the entire world. So for investors, like I harp and had been harping on all the time that you've got to really find the sort of sweet part spots to invest in. In reality, it was entirely too expensive to be able to use our site and actually explore different markets to be able to invest in. So we made that change. And then we also changed the design within the site. So made it more around the questions that you want to ask around the data and then be able to find those insights and then be able to display multiple years of data, be able to dig in. We created an entirely new section around market discovery. So you can actually find the top markets to invest in. So you can sort by occupancy, by ADR. You can look of, like if you're just interested in what are the top markets in terms of occupancy for three bedroom entire home rentals, like we thought we should actually make that available. And so you could just click on three bedrooms, <laughs> entire home rentals, houses, and then sort and see the markets that are sort of best in terms of key performance indicators. And, and then I'm, yeah, there's so many things in there. We'll, we'll, we'll walk through at the end, but it, it was just, we had all these great ideas. We knew we couldn't sort of just shove them into the old design. So we needed to start over. And that was sort of the emphasis there. That's great. So, you know, also what's on the horizon? I mean, there's yep. been this, this total evolution already. And, you know, I think that you guys still have some exciting things coming along. Yeah. So as of October, so maybe by the time people are listening, we'll have launched MLS data into the site. So this is for sale listings, what's actually available for sale in each of these markets. And then instead of users having to maybe go on Zillow or Redfin or homes.com and find available properties, take the address, copy and paste it into AirDNA, see what the earning potential is. We're going to do all that for you. So we're going to let you start with Here's all the properties for sale. Here's what the earning potential is for all those properties. Here's which ones seem to have the best yield. So you essentially pre-sort for the best opportunities that are out there. And then next, like let you actually spend your time digging into the data, making sure that they're relative comps, making sure that those are great investment activities. Essentially, I'm cutting out so many steps of the process to let you dive into sort of pre-sorted, pre-estimated investment opportunities. That's going to uh, be and, fun to play around with. <laughs> I can't wait to <laughs> try that out. I can imagine myself going down a complete rabbit hole just all over the country slash world. I've always had this charmed vision of, you know, investing overseas, maybe somewhere quaint and off the beaten path in Italy or France or something. And yeah, that that's going to be me. I'm going to be on a Saturday or Sunday night just wasting hours of time looking all over the world on AirDNA. Yeah, that's going to be tons of fun. Do you, is it mostly just going to be US-based MLS stuff initially? Or do you anticipate that eventually it will kind of absorb the whole world? That's a gargantuan task. Yeah, I'm definitely starting with the US in terms of the for sale data. And then we'll eventually launch other countries where that data is accessible. It's it's not as easily accessible in the, it's not even that easy accessible in the, in the U S it, it took quite a bit of effort to sort of bring that data into the app, but we will be launching other countries. One of our goals is to go after Europe with intention 
2024. And you'll see more and more features that maybe launch initially in the U.S. is moving overseas as well. That's exciting. All right. So bringing in MLS list, MLS information, anything else? Another one is zoning data. So regulation and zoning has been more and more important over the past couple of years. It can be like as like granular as like on one side of the street is zoned to allow short-term rentals, vacation rentals, and the other side of the street isn't. And as you're investing, like it's really hard to know that. Uh, so we've partnered with a company that actually goes through and collects all those zoning maps at a city level. And so we're going to bring that in. So we're going to be developing all these different custom map overlays that come into the app that allow you to just better understand the investment opportunity in each of these cities. So that's another one I'm really excited about. Another one my team's working on is forecast of these cities. So instead of just showing you historically what happened and I'm sitting in Rosemary Beach right now, uh, but we're going to actually give you projections on where we think occupancy ADR rev cars are going, uh, how much supply given the sort of dynamics in this market do we expect to come in. So it's been a really fun exercise. I was able to build out a team of really smart PhD economists where they're actually digging into the trends, digging into the relationships and that happen in the overall economy. We're going to be launching a new and innovative forecast for the, for the industry so you can get a sense of not only what's happened, but what's expected to happen in, in, in these markets. Wow. A powerful, powerful resource for real estate investors, for sure. That's amazing. Yep. Man, I'm such a nerd. I would probably just love geeking out with all of you guys and kind of being a fly in the wall in, in that room and hearing kind of how you guys are building this stuff out. And that's really exciting. Thank you so much. Well, I'm going to pivot here and we're going to let our podcast listeners go and then we're going to continue our conversation. But Jamie, tell us how people can find AirDNA and find you if they have any questions or want to learn more. Yeah, so I'm really active on both Twitter and LinkedIn. You can find me Jamie underscore Lane there. And then if you do want to be in a fly in the room, we do have a podcast of our own called the SDR Data Lab where we talk about all the trends that are happening in the industry. Do we dig into the data on a, on a weekly basis? So we're, that's a fun thing that we've been doing for the past year. And it's a great podcast. I am a subscriber. Happy to plug, happy to plug the show because <laughs> I do enjoy listening to it. So, and before we let our podcast listeners go, one other thing is if you haven't found yourself over at STR Hub, make sure you take the time to go over there. We are really creating as a comprehensive resource for short-term rental industry professionals. Whether you're a host or property manager, we're pulling together information about all the companies and service providers out there to help you find the solutions for your business as quickly and easily as possible. So obviously, if you go over there, you're going to find information about AirDNA and so many other companies that can help you optimize and really professionalize your short-term rental business. So come on over there to strhub.com and free guides, resources, articles, all kinds of helpful information to help you succeed and optimize your short-term rental business. So once again, thank you so much, Jamie, for joining us on today's show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you could spare a moment, please leave the show a quick review. Your review helps us help more hosts and property managers like yourself. By the way, 
If you're a realtor, lender, bookkeeper, accountant, interior designer, or other professional who specializes in serving the short-term rental industry, we need to get you listed on STR Hub and start spreading the word about your services. So reach out to me via email, christiane at strhub.com. Thanks again for listening and be sure to join me next time to catch my latest conversation with the innovators designing the solutions that are shaping our industry.